I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Achanov, and I don't have any secrets, but I'm an ally. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and the only reason that Jane's okay is because we gave up on her after she wouldn't stop biting in preschool. <laughs> Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen. I heard Steenburgen yes. before, and it really threw me, Colin. From the last Culturistas episode? Yeah. Holland. Yes, I know. And I was like, no, this can't be yeah. correct. I've There's been watching a... this woman for years. <laughs> I know. You can't throw that my way now. It's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. None of this Bergen stuff. There's only one Bergen That's true, you know, in yes. this house, and it's Candace. It's candy. <laughs> <laughs> I love when someone in Zine, when someone has the name Candy or nickname Candy. Candy. I think my dad I, had a couple friends when I was growing up, Candy, and they're always exactly who you think they are. Right, right. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm picturing a very specific type of woman. You you know, when does a when does a whatever their initial name is, a Candace, so to speak, when does a Candace become a Candy? How young or how old do you have to be to become Candy Bergen? Yeah, I feel like it's later. I feel like it's yeah. at least like fifty. Yeah, you have to <laughs> earn that mind. candy. Yeah. <laughs> you think it would be the opposite, but here we are. Right, right. Baby candy. Uh, it just sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It just sounds wrong. Um, but, you know, that is uh, actually not what we're here to talk about today, which is shocking. We are, you know, the, the question is, and I guess the title of this episode will determine the answer, is whether this is the BSAs of or if there is one BSA. Uh because watching it again, I was like, I think this is a pretty stiff competition. Yeah. Uh, a lot of women. Know? Yeah. There's a lot of women. Uh, there's even a man. Uh, yes. The rare best supporting uh, the male uh, yes. actress. Um, because, I mean, obviously, and there will be lots of love for the aforementioned Mary Holland today. Because... Jane is a revelation. Is it? She just, really is. She is the star on the top of this tree. But <laughs> boy, let me tell you, the popcorn garland and the the baubles that hang around the rest of this tree, uh, by the names of Aubrey Plaza or Mary Steenburgen, etc., or Dan Levy, for example, are not to be discredited. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I mean, there's a lot. I was reading some reviews, and I'd say general in general. It's getting positive reviews. And I feel I watched it like one and a half times, I'll say. The second time I just kind of skipped around to like the, you know, the meat of, mm -hmm. you know, what I knew we would probably be talking about in certain scenes and Jane scenes and stuff like that, too. But this movie is not necessarily without flaw, but I'm certainly glad that it exists. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's 
the the plight of the queer movie, right? It's like everyone's excited about it, but we're all ready to just like rip it apart and say why it's yep. not like valid, which is not what we're here to do. But I do think that there's a little bit of healthy conversation we could have about some of the things that I was like, is that really what's happened? This is the choice here? or And a lot of it has to do with Harper and her journey of like how she is treating Riley. Um, yeah. Because I don't or think... Abby. Abby, why did I say Riley? O'Reilly is um Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza, yeah, yeah. You got it, got it, got it. Abby. I even have the cast list in front of me too. I just I'm oh. I, I mean yeah. it goes to show that I I think everyone is obsessed with Riley. I think that's kind of what mm-hmm. everyone thought was gonna happen. And I was like, what a cool thing if she ended up with Aubrey Plaza and Harper came out and it was rough, but they did break up and she found someone new and everyone just kind of went along their merry way. Like what a cool idea but also not the movie that they were making as well too and and we'll go into it a little bit more but what are you thinking the same thing as me Colin what what was your initial thoughts what are you thinking now about this movie so yeah so I've watched it twice the first time I watched it I I loved it I really like it it won me over and I thought it was really charming and I thought it hit a lot of um some familiar notes and then some like surprising notes I uh, I loved all the ladies. I mm-hmm. loved Riley. I, you know, I, I kind of went into this going, oh, Aubrey Plaza. Like, I sort of know her shtick from Parks and Rec, and sure. she's one of those actors that it's sort of hard to see her outside of April Ludgate or, you know, you know, Rain Wilson playing Dwight Schrute. It's hard to see them outside of that character. Yes. Uh, but I, so I was like really excited to kind of see the softer side of Aubrey Plaza. Um, but, uh, you know, and by the end, I just like, was completely won over. I mean, I have lots to say about so much that's happened to this movie. Yeah. Uh, so many scenes. But overall, like, I, after the first watch, I loved it. And then, you know, and, and we kind of, you sent me that article from, like, the, the Baltimore Examiner of, like, seeing Happiest Season as a thriller. Um, lots of people talking about the same thing you're saying, that, oh, wanting Abby to end up with Riley, what you doing with Harper. Harper is such an awful, like, mm-hmm. girlfriend or blah, blah, blah. Like, all of that critique of what happens. And it's, you know, what's interesting is it's kind of like people start critiquing it as if it's reality TV. And it's yeah. like, I can't believe they did that. And it's like... No, it was very deliberately done. Like there yes. was like a there was a choice made here, and I can't imagine that this was lost on Cleo Duval that people would want Abby to end up with Riley. Like, yeah, we get such a Jim and Pam kind of dynamic between them that like it doesn't surprise me that there are people who are like, oh, how are they not together? Um, so when I watched it again last night, to be honest, I went in prepared to like pull it apart you know there's yes. um there's a youtube channel called cinema sins and they're like everything Ooh. wrong with happiest season in 17 minutes and it's like pretty amazing like it's not like scathing but they just pull out all these tiny little things and you're like oh that mm-hmm. is a good question yeah why do they do that yeah that doesn't make sense um and i was kind of ready to do the same thing and was like watching the movie through that lens for maybe the first 10 minutes or so and i gotta tell you by the end of the movie, I was like, you got me, gal. I still love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I still love this movie. I still think it's great. It's like, and what's more is that I appreciate the narrative. I get why she doesn't end up with Riley. I don't, it brought up a lot of feelings for me. Like I was sure. identifying with Abby 
so often and like feeling that like, oh, what am I doing here? I'm better than this, blah, blah, blah. But I thought it was so unique to show that like Harper is multidimensional. She's not just this like inconsiderate girlfriend. Like she is, and I think the scene with John, with Dan Levy's character towards the end really highlights that of like, this is a much bigger conflict than I'm not spending enough time with you during Christmas, you know? Yes. Um, it kind of brings, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it brings Abby back down the earth because there are things. Go ahead though. Sorry. I interrupted your, like, oh, no, I feel like I, you were wrapping up there. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think just like, I, I really picked up on that nuance the second time around and I, I could see why if Abby ended up with Riley, it would be a weird note. And I can also see how Abby ending up with Harper is a kind of a realistic note because I think we are we don't typically see in these Christmas rom-com movies relationships that are imperfect. You yes. know, that like someone could just fuck up in a way that we think, oh, you should be done. Like, it's over. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I just, yeah, I... I found there to be a lot more nuances than I was really giving it credit for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. I really like, I have no qualms. Yeah. I think that I had a similar experience last night, even watching all of the Harper scenes. Cause I watched of course the big blowout scene and I even watched the parking lot scene at the gas station after mm-hmm. that too. Um, uh, Mackenzie Davis, who plays Harper, I don't really know her. I know she's been around. I know she was in that episode of um, Black Mirror, the San Junipero. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But um, she is a great actress. And I, I think really what brings it all home for Harper is like you genuinely do believe that she is sorry. And you genuinely believe that she she knows that she fucked up and that she – it just – she was blinded by everything else. I think really what my, I guess my my one qualm is that one bedroom conversation, Colin. The one after she goes to see her friends and yes. Abby comes up. Uh-huh. If It's like if that scene didn't exist and instead was replaced with like, a, like an awkward morning of like nonverbal cues as they're like setting up the house for Christmas Eve and they're just kind of bickering at each other. Or, like, but mm-hmm. you, I guess you did need something like that. The, the scene I'm talking about is where Harper stays out until 2 a.m. with friends, and Abby's just like, I guess I just, I'll just go home then. And she, she goes up to Harper's room the next day, and she, Harper basically says, like, you're suffocating me. And in a number of words, I mean, there's a conversation. I'm not trying to be biased, but it's just, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. She's like, I didn't know you were keeping, like, tabs on me and gets really, like, defensive and says that um, Abby is suffocating her. And Abby's like, I'm suffocating you? Like, this is fucked up. Like, do you know what you, like, I've been through the last week? Like, trying to be here with you and trying to, like, there's a lot that, was asked of Abby. And I think for at that point, she's really playing along and trying her best. And it was like a breaking point for both of them. So I do see why the conflict had to happen. I just, I don't know that. Yeah. That was the one thing where I was like, this is crazy. I was like, if I took my boyfriend, I would be checking in constantly and apologizing and saying like, we're almost through this. I am going to stay out with my friends. Like, you know, let's go have coffee or something. I don't know. I hear you. That scene was kind of jarring. It was like, oh, you've, um, you, why are you, why are you being like this right now? Like, why are, like, I was completely on Abby's side. I'm with you. I, and, and there, that moment, like, when that happened, 
in my mind, I thought the next plot point has to be Abby getting out of his house. You have to leave. You, we have to go. I have to go. We need to leave. Yeah. Like this, you, Sally Field, you need to leave Bridges with your children. Like this is, uh, it's time to go. And so when she, <laughs> when that is the next step, and she tries to get the the taxi, and it's a thousand dollars, I was like, these are the moments where this movie feels like a thriller. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and so like I appreciated the response to that, but yeah, I. There were a lot of moments, you know, up until, you know, uh, Harper's big meltdown before Abby leaves where that whole I don't want to lose you monologue where I was like, Harper, you're bad news bears. And I just don't think like I am with Abby. I don't want to be with someone who isn't out. Um, I just like I I, I empathize with yeah. with people who can't come out. And I certainly understand that struggle. I, it would be crazy to say, oh, I don't get all of the things that John's character says in that fabulous monologue uh, about, like, that terrifying moment of saying you're gay. Like, mm-hmm. I get all of that. But then I, I love that it's like, then Abby has the decision of, like, I want to be with someone who's ready to be with me and who's ready. Like, And I love John's response of, like, yep, uh-huh, totally valid. And I think... That was all, like, even that last scene where then Harper, like, comes to the gas station and is convincing Abby of, like, just give me one more chance, give me one more, ch- one more chance. I kept putting myself in Abby's shoes in that moment and thinking, this is such a leap of faith. Like, if yeah. I were Abby, I might give in and say yes, but I wouldn't admit to the pit in my stomach feeling that, like, you know, as Meryl Streep's character says in Doubt, a dog that bites is a dog that bites, yes. you know? And uh, I would always think that. I would always have that, like, I, I know this part of Harper, too, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so it's like, I still love the movie, but I feel like, and, I, and they're not really sort of extrapolating on that potential conflict in the, in the sort of epilogue of the movie, but that was the narrative for me of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you guys can work through this, but boy, if I was Abby, I'd have a real hard time forgetting, even if I'd already forgiven, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess the other thing that I would have, like, really, the the, the two scenes that stick out are, are, is that one bedroom scene where she says she's suffocating her, and the other scene, or just the idea, I guess, it's one of those things, and I feel like we said it on the podcast before, where, like, you don't have a movie if this doesn't happen, you know, you kind of have to just, like you said, it's like, it's not reality television, it's a movie, you have to go with it, and we've seen crazier plots, but the idea that's, Harper hasn't told her family and hasn't told Abby that she's out. And all of a sudden she's telling her on the way to the house that I had, I'll say that was a huge objection is how did you get in this car with me and drive all the way out into the woods? And now you're going to tell me like, why couldn't I think it might've been a little more believable if they had that conversation in the apartment and then Abby still agreed to go on the trip. Yes, 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 yes. Cause I guess the whole thing of Harper, first of all, we have to talk about Pittsburgh too. Remind me. Because... Oh, I no, that is top of my list. Is like, <laughs> hey, Pittsburgh, Mary. Pittsburgh. How many, how many of these locations do you know? I know. I'm excited to talk about it. But I guess like the idea of like one does not just put aside the fact that they didn't come out to their family. Like they're so overjoyed at sitting on that rooftop and just like they're in the Christmas spirit. And then she's like, "Why don't you come to my family's house?" Like. As, as as magical as that moment might be and you're in love too, like I, I do get a little bit of like, fuck it, you should just come anyway. But there mm-hmm. should be 
that's where the conversation should have happened. Like, I really want you to come for Christmas, but I'm a little scared, but I think we could do it together and I want you to be there with me. And yeah, yeah. And or she could either I... say yes or no. And mm-hmm. there's that. It Like, if that scene of her telling Abby she wants to come home with her, if like maybe they were drunk in that scene, I might yeah. have believed the impulse a little Ooh, that's more. that's a good one. Yes. And then the next morning she's like, so we should talk about last night. You know, like I think there was a way to do that 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 would have felt a lot less bait and switchy. And um, I mean, it's it, it's worth noting, and I think John says this at one point, like the fact that Abby wants to marry Harper and she's never even met her family, I'm like, danger, Will Robinson. Like, do not marry yeah. someone if you have not met their family. Like, that is the answer to so many questions you may have about your future partner is their family. Yeah. Or know that they're super conservative sort of political figures in like yeah. Connecticut, we'll say. <laughs> I don't know. Right. What... I mean, I think it was all like, because I, one, because I, I don't know where I'd read it initially or I had figured out that they lived in Pittsburgh, but it seems like all of this is Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh adjacent. I did take a screenshot of the filming locations Uh to ask if you knew any of these, if we can have the Pittsburgh conversation. Yeah, let's have it. So, I mean, (laughs) the, the opening scene where they're seeing the, uh, the Christmas lights is apparently, I think in the winter it's called candy cane lane, but I guess it's really summer street and it's in, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Is it Du Bois town? Du Bois town? Yeah. I would. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that you're asking how to pronounce it, but like Western Pennsylvania, especially like Pittsburgh and like the greater Pittsburgh era area is notorious for pronouncing every French spelled location like so wrong. Like okay. there is a place, there's a, a town right next to my town. I grew up in North Huntington, which sounds very like white conservative. I mean, it kind of is in a way, but it's not like rich white conservative, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a place called North Versailles, but everyone calls it North Versailles. And it's oh, terrible. Wow. It's oh, really wow. bad. And I okay. grew up saying it that way. I never even questioned it until like, and Keon speaks a little bit of French too. And like, I, but obviously I, I knew it before in my Keon too. I was like, oh, this is not how you say this at all. North for sales, and we say do boys, Colin. Do boys, do okay. boys, do boys. It's so All gross. Right. Pittsburgh is so weird. Um, <laughs> uh, do boys. That's that podcast about fast food restaurants. Right? <laughs> yeah, Amanda Kaczynski's favorite podcast. <laughs> she has all the merch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the 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 family's home it says that one of the filming locations is grove city does that ring a bell yeah that's actually it's actually an hour ish north of pittsburgh there is two the the movie theater that's called the guthrie that's in the Uh um i might be skipping ahead down your list a little bit but that's also in grove city yeah um Mm -hmm. grove city is maybe like 15 20 minutes away from slippery rock which is where i went to college um it's actually a really great, like, cute little town, too. Um, and I we used to go there. They have a great thrift store. That's, like, the one thing I'll say about Grove City. Mm. Uh, we always used to, because, you know, college, you just go to the thrift store. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I still go. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's cute. Um, so that's interesting that the house was there because the house kind of rings a little bit of a place in Pittsburgh called, like, Squirrel Hill, which is like the big uh-huh. sort of mansiony areas. Mansiony? That's a great word. But, and that uh, might be, that might be where it was. Maybe just the downtown area was Grove City because uh, the mall, like they may have picked and chose, you know, where sure. in Pittsburgh they filmed things because the mall 
is uh, the Ross Park Mall. Mm. If, you, if you know her, if you know Miss Ross. Oh, Park. I know Miss Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, not too far away at all. Yes. Yeah. So maybe they like they're really sort of constructed. Like they do this in New York. I remember seeing a scene in Nurse Jackie where like. They were supposed to be, I don't know, in like Astoria and they were in the West Village. And I was sure. like, okay, well, I know this, but yes. um, this is this is not correct. So they may be doing the same thing where it's just like choosing locations. But all of it is in the Pittsburgh area. So Yeah, I think the thing that I was most excited to see, which was right down the street, like a block away from us is and it's just like a small scene with john and abby at the beginning of the movie they're just kind of uh-huh. walking down the street and there is a um oh, i can't rem- remember the name of it too i think it's like a an like an oyster place or something like that yeah merchant oysters yeah merchant like oysters I, yeah uh-huh. which is so close to my house my dentist's office is like right in the frame right really? as that scene is ending and i was like that's my dentist uh it uh. was really cool i can't believe how close they were i knew dan levy I knew they were filming this in Pittsburgh and I knew they were like, because I remember like, I don't know, someone posted it on Facebook. All the Shits Creek, like white girl fans were like, Wah! right. <laughs> I mean, right, I'm right, one of, of them. Course. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, so that was cool that they were that close. And then on the other scene, I'm pretty sure they filmed it at the Blue Moon, the Jinx Monsoon Vendela Creme scene, okay. um, which is the local gay bar on Butler Street in Lawrenceville as well, um, which is so fun that they were there. It's like the, it's like a shoebox bar. It actually looks a lot bigger in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, but uh, so yeah, it was so cool. I was excited. Yeah, the locations all looked like really cute. I was like, yes. oh, Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. you know, I was there, and it was just like you know the the depths of winter. And yeah, I was it was like, like fe- late February. Late, yeah, I think yeah, it was like early February. I was like a week out of a breakup. Uh, it was freezing cold. It had snowed, it and I was staying in yes. that awful duplex with that that spiral oh, staircase. I mean, the amazing duplex that's now I sold, know. Colin. No, yeah, really? it's not on Airbnb anymore because we we kept that like bookmark for like, <laughs> you know, all of our 2020 parties that we never like threw that we were oh just right, have. Um, yeah, but that oh spiral staircase. There was a three story spiral staircase. The problem was that afraid the, of heights. Yeah, yeah, and and it was like all open. So like when you're on the third <laughs> floor, it it's like you're you're stepping out. And one of those, you know, those, those attractions at Las Vegas where you're like hanging off the edge of the Space Ooh, Needle. Yes. It was like that. The and glass so, floor. Yeah, exactly. So I, the, the the grip I would have on, because you're going around the spiral and as you're going around it, it's you're that then first just, turn. That first yep. turn was a doozy. Oh, and I just, and I would get dizzy and be like, I well, this is not good. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a real test. Um but in any event, uh, I'm glad somebody else bought it. Maybe they'll put in another staircase or something yes. or an elevator. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to say real quick, this is such a, I don't want to say petty thing to say too, but it's just nitpicky, I guess maybe is the better word, that there is no art history major at Carnegie Mellon. And the only reason I know oof. that is because one of my, uh, you remember meeting Jamie when you were here, her boyfriend, of course. Vic, yeah. I don't think you met him, but he went to Carnegie Mellon. And I guess like a lot of the Carnegie Mellon People are like up in arms because like there was no art history major because oh that's my what God. and really that detail doesn't matter in the movie at all. Like why didn't they just picture or like pick a I don't know anything? Yeah, she could have didn't... been a writer or you know I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, urban planning. Yeah, yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's a good point. It's like, why not actually choose a major that that school has if, if you're going to give her an arbitrary major? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. So Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, yeah. It was nice to see Pittsburgh again. Um, well, let's let's dive in now. Uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I do feel or I did feel like going into the second viewing, I was like, oh, yeah, Mary Holland as Jane is like the BSA that is like the one to talk about. And then coming out of it, I was like, you know, there's a, like there is a, a tight race here because Mary Holland is killing it as Jane. But Aubrey Plaza as Riley, Allison Brie as Sloan, yes. Mary Steenburgen as Tipper. Uh, I Tipper, mean, what a name. What Anna Gasteyer is in this movie. Not playing, Anna not playing a great character. Like we don't love her, but um, I mean, we love Anna Gasteyer, but we don't love right. the character she's playing. But well, glad I'm to see her. Glad to see her. I love that she had a man's name. I love that. Like <laughs> yeah, her, her name, name is, is Harry. Harry Levin. Yeah, and that character in like any other movie would be played by like an old white guy, and his name would be Harry Levin. So I love the flip of having it played by. Anna Gasteyer and not even changing the name. I think that's yes. so. Uh, what a, that's such a great move. Yeah, um, I love that. And then of course Dan Levy as John, who yes. I mean, let's let's start with him if let's we do will, it. if yes, you will, please. ladies first. So I feel like I've heard other people say, "Oh, well, Dan Levy's not necessarily like a great actor. He's just." And maybe we've even said this on this pod, podcast is like he's just had roles that were like a great fit for him. Like he could like David Rose was so perfect for him. Yes. And uh, and I think the character of John, it's like, oh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of the same Dan Levy like qualities. But whether I've said it before or other people have said before, I will contest it. I think he is. I think he does very specific types of characters and, you know, he plays like obviously he's going to play a gay guy in movies and in TV shows um, or someone with some sort of queer inclination. But he is, especially if you watch that last monologue outside with with Abby, he is so good. He has such good timing and such good instincts and like plays such great little notes that like... I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, <he's>, yeah, <laughs> he is so gets out. Good, get out. <laughs> get out. Get out. Like, I agree. I'm... I really do. Oh, finish your thought, though. Sorry. No, I just that's that that's just it's just an exuberance of over Dan Levy. I think he is or Levy. I know I'm always going to say his name wrong. That's okay. I I think he is a delight and. Um, I, I just yeah I think he's great in this. Yeah I it's the plight of um, you know uh, I I think of people I feel like we'll be talking about him later too but like Sean Hayes and Will and Grace when you are like you know even um, I don't know why I went to Michael Richards and Seinfeld too but like those characters in comedies sitcoms mm-hmm. if you will and I know Shit's Creek isn't a shit a shitcom <laughs> a shitcom <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, that was really good. Yeah. yeah uh, happy little accident there. Yeah. Um, but it is hard to shake that. And this is his first thing that he's done, at least to my knowledge, outside of Shit's Creek, too. So there is that gamble. But I think that's part of the package of casting Dan Levy is like, 
we want you to bring a little bit of Daniel Rose, Daniel Rose, <laughs> David yeah. Rose, where my, I, I don't know where my head is, um, to this. And I think that's kind of what people want in a way. I could picture like a specific marketing team, like we want you to make choices. We want you to like, you know, step outside that David Rose box, but we also want a little sprinkling of it too, because I think that's what people are looking for at the same time. And I, I really do think that he does a good like I picture him in that convenience store buying like snacks at the end and listing off all those ingredients. Like it's a very David Rose moment. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I totally agree. I think he's such a great dramatic actor and like especially like a subtle dramatic actor. I don't know. I don't know what it would look like for him to have like a Beatrice Strait moment. I'd love to see it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it would be great. Yeah. Um, it there's it reminds me of just like to your point of him being like very like subtle and like just nuanced there's obviously the episode of Shit's creek when um patrick's parents come to town and he has to come out to his parents there is this fabulous moment that i rewatched it recently and i was like oh that's something when uh david realizes that like patrick's parents know and he comes to their room at the motel and like you know i think i think that's when he brings over like the gift basket to smooth things over and uh and he doesn't realize like that they're not upset about him being gay. They're just upset that he didn't tell them or that he didn't think he could tell them. And so, and David starts to have this line of like, I don't remember what it is, but he starts to say it's his birthday. And like, he just like starts to explain like why to like give Patrick mm-hmm. some grace. And I think his father, or his mother says, no, it, we don't care that he's gay. We, it's just like, why didn't he feel comfortable telling us? And then David goes, Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought this was gonna be a whole uh, a way worse situation. And then he like wipes a tear away, mm. and I just like my brain like came right out of my ear holes. I was like, that is that's the nuance that sells this is that like David subtly started crying during this moment. I just I that's where I think that Dan Levy's instincts are just so spot on. I, it reminds me. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at like this moment. I'm about to. <laughs> references it reminds me at the season two reunion of drag race when rupaul is talking to tyra and she's talking to her about how she pulls the veil over her face when she starts uh-huh. to cry and she's uh-huh. like girl your pussy was on fire <laughs> that's exactly what it was that's ex- it's the same thing it is it's like that, that one extra thing that you're like you did that oh yeah 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 and he has moments like that in this movie as well where it's like you did that, and that extra thing you added is is why this is gold. And oh, I just yeah. I think I just think he has an eye for those nuances, and like whether he's scripting them or directing them or performing performing them, I can tell even just from Shit's Creek, certainly from Shit's Creek, that like Dan Levy knows those like that when when there should be a single tear, you know? Yeah. I just, Perfectly uh, executed. Yeah I, yeah, I love him. I can't wait to see what else he does and what other projects he like writes or directs or acts in. It's like there's so there's so many avenues for him. And especially just like, you know, a gay man in the mainstream, a gay man in the mainstream that's just like making it happen is is super exciting to see. Yeah, I was thinking about him and like Billy Eichner and thinking of like yeah. this brand of gay man you know, there's there's been like stereotypes of gay men in the media, whether they're like the flouncy gay best friend or, you know, kind of the the old queen or whatever. And I think I mean, you know, there's I don't know. There's probably a lot of other 
actors like Jim Parsons that we could kind of look at and find the theme. But I, Billy Eichner and Dan Levy to me feel very similar in that there is an edge of the curmudgeon. There is the edge of the witty best friend, but there also is this heart underneath it. And like this sort of no nonsense quality that isn't entirely abrasive, you know, like I think there's, yes. there's a balance there that I'm very, I'm very fascinated. Like, I guess in a, there's a world where, I'm like, what would Billy Eichner have been like in this role, you know? Oh, yeah. Because um, I, I think he, we see a little bit of it in Difficult People, but the, the show doesn't really always get that heartfelt, is we see those moments where he can play really genuine and he can switch out of that, like, more, you know, arc kind of, you know, Billy character. Yeah, I think that there is, like you said, such similar notes between two. I think it's more satisfying when you see Billy um soften a little bit yes. i guess and, yeah. and it's not that it's it not often, satisfying yeah. but you just get a little bit more warmth naturally mm-hmm. from dan levy like i guess i'm not saying like if i oh god i hate categorizing too but it's like i feel that it's especially like a schitt's creek david rose like kind of like a prissy sort of gay but like he does mm-hmm. but like because of schitt's creek it's like you know that like He's like a prissy gay that cares and has a heart and is not you it's like it's just like for show, you know what I mean? Like yeah. and, and you see that mm-hmm. slowly melt away throughout the, the series too. But with Billy, I just think he's I don't know. I I like I, I think of difficult people, um, and just his role in there too. And sometimes I think we saw a couple scenes in difficult people. You would remember probably more I almost said more better. More better than me. More better than you, yeah. I I uh, I think I remember more better than you, yeah. I, um, no, there are definitely some moments I feel like you know where where Billy and Julie kind of you know maybe not have any compassion for other people, but at least for each other, you know. Um, and and I think when you know what actually the example I can think of, perfect example, is if I do say so myself. If I do, you yes. know, yeah. I was like, well, well, you know, go off, sis. But, um, <laughs> When Julie is in the fashion show and then and Billy is filming the kids show where he plays like the turtle with a diaper on and then he and he's like, you know, but he's also oh, part yeah. of like the hot 10 gay guys. And so he it's like conflicted whether I take the gig or I stay in the hot 10 and then he eventually ban- abandons the gig and he goes to the fashion and he like saves Julie who's like getting sick at the fashion show and she ends up like barfing in his diaper on the, on the catwalk. Yes. And, it's, oh, and then God. he's like, and there's just this moment of like, he's there for her, you know, in this wildly absurd moment. Um, like he is her, her rock. And I think they have those moments where it's like when the rest of the world doesn't get us, I get you. And I think that we see the warmth of Billy Eichner. Yes. And I, I mean, I keep seeing, I know, um, I was listening to, I think Amanda loves to hate team mom or something. And she's been slowly watching all of Billy on the street. <laughs> they keep oh. popping up on my TikToks, and it is, I, there's so much, I think it's like 95% joy when I watch that and 5% like cringe because like sometimes it does get a little like awkward to watch, but that, mm-hmm. of course that's, that's the reason to watch it. Like that is part of the recipe of, um, <laughs> Billy on the street, but I, I do love him. And I know, I, I thought there was like something about like a Judd Apatow gay rom-com in the works. Do you remember hearing stuff about that with Billy Eichner? I don't remember if that's like... No, but that sounds great if that's happening. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I feel that that could... Ha- that has potential to really do well. 
And of course, all the gays will just rip it apart like we always well, do. Well, yeah, because, you know, that's why we can't have nice things. I'm looking at <laughs> yeah. Billy Eichner right now. I, I feel like he was, Billy Eichner was maybe attached to some biopic, biopic of like Paul Lind. Oh. A, I feel like I read about that somewhere. Um, but I don't see anything yet about uh, about a, a rom-com. But yeah. I love the idea of it. I, I love manifesting that. Yes. Um, well, um, speaking of Paul Lind, I just wanted to mention real quick, too. I, what did you think of the Ben de la Creme and Jinx Monsoon scene? It's a little out there, but it's like it's also like I'm so glad to see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought, God, the idea of these two queens in this, like, suburban gay bar. I was like, okay, that's, you know, I'll buy it. But uh, what it made me think of, of course, you know, there's a lot of audience participation in that scene. Ooh, and yes. <clears throat> I've certainly talked about this on All Right, Mary, but I have had a very similar experience of audience participation with Jinx Monsoon. Um, so this, you know, triggered. Um, so... <laughs> We, uh, years ago, uh, Johnny was there, actually. Um, we went to see uh, the Vaudevillians, which was Jinx. Uh, yeah. And I can't remember, Major Scales, I think, is, is mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. You know, co-partner in that. Um, and we went to go see that at the Lori Beachman, uh, you know. Uh, of and, of course, there's, you know, a two-drink minimum and, and you know, $25, you know, garbage dinner minimum. Yeah, yeah, mozzarella sticks, like the whole deal, you know, with all of the ambiance of, of the Lori Beachman. And so uh, Jinx, of course, comes into the audience to, you know, participate with folks and, and you know, read people and whatnot. And... It's like she knew. I think they know. They know the yes. people. Like they have a, a spidey sense of who doesn't want to be participated with. There were other people at table who would have happily been participated with, and I was not one of them. And uh, and here she comes to the table, and she like asks me what I'm drinking, and I'm like, it's a Pinot Grigio. And she was like, and like, it wasn't like I. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to tell you. Like I, I, you know, it was just this weird moment. And then she like made some kind of joke, and then she took the glass. And she drank half of it. And it cost <gasps> like $14. And it was oh. not good. And I was like, and then she made some other joke. And I was like, well, that's more a joke about the Lori Beachman's quality of wine. I didn't make it. I just had to pay for it so I can come see your show. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that was what I was thinking, you know, in yeah. my head. I said that in my head. Um, but uh, I mostly just like melted into my chair. Uh, but it was the most uncomfortable situation uh, because. I I think she I think she and I both realized I was like I'm not like this isn't working. But I'm she, not like, your guy. Yeah, I'm not your guy. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not giving you any sass. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to make you laugh. Like I mostly want you to like I'm not being mean. I'm just like yeah, the wine here is pretty bad. You should probably talk to somebody about that, right? So um, <laughs> the show comes to a screeching halt. Yeah, right. It's like this might be a read for the bartender jigs. I don't know. Sure. Um, so all that being said, I, I thought it was a very cute moment. I thought this was where Riley and Abby, it was like this was the Jim and Pam moment of like, oh, my God, they're sitting next to each other. Oh, like there's a connection happening. Like it, yeah. it just uh, I had all the feelings for them. I, I was uh, I was standing that relationship. I don't know, you know, the Rabby, I guess, or uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, when people exactly. combine the names. Yeah, Rilby. But I know, uh, yeah, I'm like trying to think too. How yeah, it just doesn't. Maybe this is why they didn't end up together. Is you just can't portmanteau the names. It's interesting, like as a plot device. Then, like, where does where do you think 
Riley fits in? Is it just like a, you know, a nod to the past? I mean, obviously it works out because Abby, one, it like, it serves a cup. I'm like answering my own question as I ask it. Like, I guess it serves as a sort of sounding board for Abby for someone to like just talk to and of course like talk to someone about Harper because she's dated Harper before and she's been in a worse situation than mm-hmm. or, than Abby is right now and just saying like yeah she's this is what happened and I, I I get you so let's go have a drink and talk about this so it is like a really great purpose too but like she doesn't end up with her at the same time too so it's like why is this I don't want to say why is she here because I'm so glad she's here and I guess maybe for that from what I just said alone, but what do you think about that? Why is I Riley mean, in this movie? Like a lot of this movie, if we were to think of this as a thriller, is that like the the central mystery is around Harper and understanding like what's Harper's story, what's her motive, what's mm-hmm. her you know, what what's going on with Harper. And I feel like Riley is that character who kind of helps answer that and is also kind of an ally in the movie because I think again if we think of it as a, as a thriller is everybody eventually turns on Abby and she has no allies mm-hmm. and and then there's Riley and I think that um it's a, I I love it I love the function of Riley because I also think there's um you know she's certainly a plot device but she feels I feel like she, I feel like we could have a spinoff just about Riley and it would be fulfilling. Like, I think there's a really rich character there. Yeah. Uh, she, like, she has a lot of, like, love interest qualities. She's funny. She's, obviously, she's very attractive. She She's charming. Like, there's a lot of really great moments with her. And I thought, oh, if this was a different movie, you know, she could be, like, the leading co-star love interest. Like, there's a really rich yeah. character there. So I, and I like that we despite the fact that she's kind of a, there's a lot of layers there. She does play a supporting role. And I think about after Harper comes out or after Harper denies it and Abby, you know, sees her basically saying, I'm not a lesbian. Like it's not true. Mm-hmm. And I think the it cuts to Riley sitting there kind of smiling almost sadly. Of like, yes. I Harper, remember that. You're, you're never going to get out of this. Are you? And I love that there's all that narrative for Riley, but we don't, we only really get it from those little moments. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I I love the function of her. I think in a lot of ways, for me, I love Riley in this. And there is a world where she is, she is the assistant to the BSA for me. She's not the BSA just because there's other people, but uh, of all of the characters, or almost all the characters, she was someone who I was, I was excited to see when she was on the screen, and I missed her when she left. Like that that BSA quality. Yeah. I think really, and what that's fueled by too, is the fact that like Abby's getting shit on left and right. And you just want her to find some sort of peace. And the fact that Riley is able to add that and like stay on the outside of things. And it's almost like, almost like an imaginary friend in a way. It's Mm -hmm. like, help me, help me through this. And I wonder if they had anticipated everyone liking Aubrey Plaza so much in this movie because I feel like everywhere I look that's sort of the consensus like how it how it happened or how it should have happened all those memes that I like sent Uh you in yeah um because it is it's like fairly I don't say fairly obvious but like like you said too like if they were to end up together it would have been a completely different movie and it wouldn't have been as satisfying I guess for the viewer but it is it's almost like um when someone doesn't win a reality competition show, they get voted off and you're sad to see it. But in a way, they they kind of won anyway because of yes. that. 
Um, yeah, it's you that same fan energy. favorite. Yeah, yeah, you do, and and that's great for Aubrey Plaza. And I think they interviewed her. I was reading some Vulture stuff about how she's like, I wanted it to happen too, more than anyone. Maybe she has like a thing for Kristen Stewart too. But um. yeah, I think it's it's kind of smart of this movie to have this this unrequited romance between Abby and Riley, and to have people. Mm-hmm kind of feeling like oh no like you know riley was robbed riley for all stars you know I <laughs> riley think, for all stars yes like i think there's this movie is already doing enough to get press and to get people's attention and i think you know that kind of gets the first wave of people watching it but i think what you really want is for people to be talking about it afterwards and yes. to have strong opinions and to go back and watch it again and i think you know having that that choice, like I said earlier in the episode, like it, it's deliberate. Like they're, they want us to feel that way about Riley yes, so that we yes. can't stop thinking about this movie or maybe so we think more about that and less about the fact that the title of the movie doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. It's such a water cooler conversation to have like, Oh, can you believe she didn't end up with Riley? Oh, I know right. it in a way it is that sort of like, we're saying that this isn't reality competition, but uh, you know, but it does. But it feels it, a little. It, bit, yeah, yeah, when you when you talk okay. about it in that light, it does feel, uh, on, on that avenue of uh, genre, I guess too. But it's not at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's you know, uh, I, just to give a, a, I think we should at least give a quick mention. There's a couple just like micro moments with Mary Steenburgen and Allison Brie that I'd love to mention. Oh yeah, um, I. I got so much more out of their performances, both of them, the second time around, um, that, like, those roles, like, the icy older sister and the kind of, like, passive-aggressive control freak, like, waspy mother, they can be very, like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before, you know? Yes. Like, it, they can very much not pop. And I felt like the casting, like, Allison, people love Allison Brie. I never really got into Community. I didn't see Glow, but I know that people are, like, obsessed with Allison Brie. Yeah, she's Brie. incredible. And I feel like that really shows in this movie. There are so many little nuances she has where I'm like, oh, wow, you you elevated this role far oh, yes. beyond the stuffy older sister. Mm-hmm. There's there's one moment, my favorite moment of, of Sloan's, and obviously it's it's also a moment in the script, but when they're at the um, that big Christmas party, not the Christmas Eve one, but the big one where their father's giving the speech um, at that banquet hall or the country club. Yes. Uh, while he's giving the speech, there's this moment where we see Harper and Abby holding hands and then like Harper pulls her yeah. hand away and Abby's like looking at her and then it cuts to Sloan noticing, not necessarily seeing them holding hands, but noticing an energy between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's all nonverbal and it's a, it's such a smart moment. Like it's, I'm like Cleo Duvall, that is you you clever rabbit. That is such yes. a great choice because it really like sets up this, te- this early tension in the movie of like Sloan suspects something. And what's more is that the woman, whoever Sloan is outside of this family, this is someone who doesn't care if you're gay. She mm-hmm. knows plenty of gay people. Like she does custom gift baskets. She's swimming in gay people. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> you know? And I love that. Like there's, that I can just kind of infer that narrative that she's not having this like gay panic about about you know Abby and Harper, but more of like there's something going on here. And I I just I thought that was a really clever note and a and a great moment for her to do just just some like silent face acting. Oh yeah, I mean speaking of the script too, and like other clever things that like she could have fell in. Uh, that's not how I wanted to say that, but um, 
<laughs> at the end when um, Sloan, aka Allison Brie, kind of outs uh, Harper to the entire room. I mm-hmm. love the choice that Harper does not retaliate and say, "Well, she's getting a divorce." Yeah, I loved that because they save it for that moment later. Another great Allison Brie moment when she's just sitting on that couch, thinking of like, "I have a choice mm-hmm. here. I could help her." And mm-hmm. kind of say that my life's a little bit, um, you know, going down. Like her marriage, at least, is like not doing well, and that's like almost in ways just as bad because it's it's ruining the image of their family right. too. Um, right. So I I love that um, Claire Duvall saved it for that. That was really smart. Mm-hmm. Really, really well, smart. and it, and I agree. I felt like it 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 both gave Sloane that moment to you know to kind of come out on her own, but it also like the acting choices that Mackenzie Davis had of just oh, like yes. the wide eye. Taking just that like, in. Oh, I mean, she, that was where the first time I watched this, it's like, oh yeah, Harper. Yeah. So it was a good character. Mackenzie Davis was great. Watching it the second time around, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. Mackenzie Davis acts her ass off in this movie. And that scene, that coming out moment, you know, uh, and the wild eyed looking around like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a lesbian. Like all of that. I was like, whoa, this is so good. Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, I, I, uh, I love that the script kind of gave us those two separate moments. Mm-hmm. I love when Mackenzie, I love the script choice, I guess, too. Script choice. <laughs> like the fact that mm-hmm. she wrote this, too, is after she comes out, I think it's in that moment, too, or maybe it's later. Oh, no, no, it's later when um, Abby comes back with John and mm-hmm. she's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, you know, Victor Garber and uh and you know Mary um that I right. love Abby and this is this is like my life and um and she made the choice to do it and then um but Abby still isn't you know sold I guess and rightfully so and then she goes up to her and she says like I did it yeah I did, like I did what you wanted me to do there's so much weight and like saying like I did it like I came out this is what you wanted like we're we're free now we can do what we want but like it makes perfect sense that like cool but like it doesn't erase everything that you just did to me the past four days or whatever I, yeah I, it's just it's such great conflict uh and i love conflicts <laughs> yeah i it. was yeah i was <clears throat> relieved that abby didn't just forgive her there and say oh there you came out for me and now mm-hmm. everything's fine i i it's too late man I, yeah i i thought that was all really uh that was really smart mm-hmm. um so uh to jump to not to not to short Allison Brie but I you know yeah she might pop up again yeah she might pop up again but I think just to give Mary Steenburgen some love um you know this I think Mary like where I would have happily seen Candy Bergen or Diane Keaton you know go down the line of like you know older actresses I would be happy to see in this role I think Mary Steenburgen she's never like the top of my list but I always find that I I underestimate her ability to play really absurd notes mm-hmm. and like really kind of like, Oh, that was a, Oh, that's a clever choice. I, I forget that she's not Andy McDowell and that she can yes. do more, you know? Yeah. Oscar winner, Mary Steenburgen. Uh, I mean, best supporting actress, Oscar yeah. winner. Yeah. Um, I, I think that she nails this role of Tipper. I think, uh, she has a lot of like great little moments, like great little passive aggressive moments. Um, I, I, I just think that she like this. This is a classic role of like the you know the upper crust frenzied mother in the Christmas movie, and yes. 
I think that she she nails all the wackadoo moments, and then she has that great speech with Ted in his office, you know, where she's like, you know, this is not the perfect family, and she, you know, gets to do some talking through tears, and she gets that great line about giving up on Jane because she wouldn't stop fighting in preschool. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and I think my, maybe my favorite moment and the most authentic for this character and this narrative is when. I guess it's Christmas morning or no, maybe it's that night and the sisters are in the kitchen and Tipper comes in and she Mm -hmm. says, he just needs a little time. And I was like, Oh, that is some, that is some accurate storytelling. Oh, that is a line. Yes. That is a line. The gaze in the audience. You're like, yep, I know that line. (laughs) Yeah, I know. God, more like 10 years for me, but um, right. Right. uh, When we say a little time, yeah, yeah. I wish it was as easy as one night. Um, right? And I, there is part of me, too, that I wish, and maybe it's like I'm not, I'm not too upset that they didn't include it, but, like, I would have loved to have seen some sort of Tipper Harper scene. You know what I mean? After that, you know, some yes. sort of, because it is the moms that sort of acquiesce first, because moms always know, let's be honest. Um, there's an energy in the whole movie that Tipper, there's something about Abby that Tipper doesn't, even before shit starts to go down with the necklace and all that, there's something, Tipper, like, there's that, you're right, there's something that Tipper knows the whole time. Yeah. Or, and the other thing that I thought of, too, as I was watching this is, um, I could have used, like, a wacky grandma. You know what I mean? I could have used like oh. a super super liberal grandma to like yell at Victor Garber or something at the end and be like, come on. But maybe that's too hokey. But or even just to like have, you know, an actress of a certain age, uh, you know, where's June Squibb when you need her? Where is June? <laughs> a question I ask myself at least three times a day is where is June Squibb when you need her? Yeah. I also think Cloris Leachman, you know, oh, like yes. excels in roles like that. She could have this great heartfelt moment with Harper where she's like, well, honey, here's the thing with your father. You know, like there's... Yeah, uh, she's always sitting in a chair in the corner, but she looks great. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, she looks great. She gets a good little monologue towards the end. She says a couple dirty words. I sure. think, um, yes, I would be very happy with a Cloris Leachman <laughs> cameo. Yes. I'll take Dan Levy as the supportive gay friend. That's over true. Cloris yeah, Leachman that might have replaced the... that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I was reading, sorry to interrupt you there. No, go ahead. I, I was reading an article on Vulture 2 about how it was called like Mary Steenburgen's iPad is the star of happiest season. Oh like my walking God. around. It's such a mom energy thing to be taking yes. pictures with an iPad because yes. they never turn out great. Like I, I don't know if how far they've come with like improving the quality of a camera on an iPad, but as far as I know, it's not really great uh, Right, quality. I agree. Like, that was the nuance of her taking pictures with the iPad. I was like, yeah, this is, that's what this woman does. That's, you know, this. there are so many people whose mothers are t- trying to take family photos on iPads this year. Yes. And I did see that coming like a mile away. I will say like, oh, the kids don't want to be in the picture that today or like they keep mm-hmm. postponing it. And then eventually um, Abby gets to be in it. So there was a little bit of like, all right. But I, it was it was right. sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, it's like, you you know, by the end, it's like, OK, this is all going to come down to this Christmas picture. Uh I think uh, what I do love is that when um, when Tipper asks John to take the picture, he says, oh, I'd be delighted to. Like he yeah. I love that John loves Tipper. You know, when he when he comes to the house and he plays straight when he meets her and then she leaves and he says to Abby, 
I nailed that and she is fabulous. I was like, yes. I love that. I love that John is the kind of gay who loves an older woman, you know? <laughs> and I also love, because this is where I would I would immediately go to Jane. I would be like, tell me about your novel. I want to hear uh, Like, you well, are the person I want to sit next to on Christmas morning. And I'm so glad they do. Yes, that is that. I think that brings us into Jane Ugh. because I love the Jane and John relationship. I yes. love how he validates her. It's it's a such a nice connection. Um, but that does bring us to Jane, played Ugh. by co-writer Mary Holland. In I mean, to me, it is it is doing so much of what Melissa McCarthy did in Bridesmaids, of yeah. just stealing the show in a way that is. That is just like you. She is she is lapping everybody in terms of stealing this movie. Like no one could keep up with how much Mary Holland is stealing this movie. Yeah, and I, I, sorry, I was just trying to think of something else to add to that. But really, it's like everything you just said is exactly what I would have said. She has Melissa McCarthy energy, or as my or as Keon would say, Melissa McCartney, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> Oh, uh, every that. once in a while he throws in a zinger and I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> and McCartney. Yeah, there's like a short list. I should like, he's going to be mad that I said that, but it's fine. <laughs> it's he's great. like, he's, he's like, isn't that Melissa McCartney? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> no. He's, Is it Melissa McCarthy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that though. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like, she is on a different wavelength. She is the definite BSA of the movie and like breakout star really like I'm so happy to see it because from the little that I do know about her I I feel like she's a comedian obviously she's been in the game for a while but this is like something that is really going to um launch her a little bit too so I'm I'm I I, so. I need to see more I I want to see more Yeah I I was like looking at her filmography and I was like I don't really think I've seen anything else she's been in um because she, yeah, she's done a lot, and I yeah, she's just she's someone I think I've been vaguely familiar with. Like when I saw her, I was like, oh, I've seen this woman before, but I yeah. don't know where or why. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I also feel like, and this is you know, listeners of the podcast will know that this, as far as we're concerned, is a incredibly high compliment. But I think that Mary Holland as Jane is swimming into. Amy Adams in Junebug territory. Yeah. Oh, I do I, love that. I think that first entrance when she like surprises Harper and, and Harper says, I, I told you not to scare me. She's like, I know I didn't listen. And like, <laughs> there is just this, there's this like wide eyed, like innocence uh, and just like this, like kooky innocence about her that I was like, Oh, this is giving me Ashley from Junebug vibes. And I, Love it. Anything that navigates close to Amy Adams and Jude Bug, which, you know, is potentially still her best performance ever, mm-hmm. uh, is is high on my list. And I was getting a, a lot of that. Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, I always think of that line. It's in the trailer for June Bug when the woman, I can't remember her name, Miss Honey, we'll call her Miss Honey, because that's who oh, she was yeah. in Matilda. Mm-hmm. She's like, actually, I was born in Japan. And she's like, you were not. The way she yeah. says you were not is... It's that like pause in the wide-eyed, you were You were not. not. Like it's just oh, too much yeah. for her to compute. Uh, you know, like we, I know that we've, we've talked about Junebug on, in the details, but like, 
I'm totally, I'm totally fine to do a BS, uh, a best supporting podcast episode on Amy Adams and Junebug. And oh talk yeah, about it again. just to even revisit like, like Celia Weston and just yes. introduce you know this these listeners that maybe have not listened to that in the details episode of just totally. Uh, I'm sure we have new takes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That the, every time you watch it, there's something new to pick up. I'm yeah, down. I I great. That that is something I could easily uh, revisit. Um, I also like you know I think another through line of things we've talked about before with Home for the Holidays and with Hillbilly Elegy is Jane is the sister who stays local. You know? Oh yeah. Because uh, there's a that local great queen. moment. She's a lo- <laughs> she's a local queen. She's a local queen. Because uh, there's that moment where uh, like Tipper says, "Oh, maybe you should go home and get some rest." And it made me think, "Oh my God, Jane lives 15 minutes away in like a townhouse complex." You yes. know. Uh, and I think that's and like whenever she comes over, like Ted's like, "Oh, uh, Jane, so glad you're here. The printer isn't working." And like that's the routine. Like she just it's it's interesting that even in this movie and even with this quirky character that narrative that we've seen in other more serious or realistic movies is still there of like the function of the sibling or the sister who stays local. Yeah, it definitely is a a vibe or a a subgenre of BSAs, I guess, too. Like, and it's never, Mm -hmm. and I would say, I would venture to say that it's never really the most interesting character in the movie. So I'm so glad to see Mm -hmm. that it is. I mean, there is like a little bit of like uh, mystery, even uh, with, hillbilly elegy and oh, i forget the sister's name already even Lindsay. though we just Lindsay, yeah. and even Lindsay. in um and even the same with home for the holidays too it's they're they're a little bit they have like a hardened exterior they're not as warm and they're certainly not necessarily they're not funny or charming no. in any way so yeah. it's it's a really cool spin to see this new era of i mean i think only <laughs> we would be the ones to say to really kind of like uh diagnose this and kind of split it apart in the in a way that like the the daughter that stays home is also like the coolest person in the movie too but um Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just really happy for her and and i can't wait to see what else she does yeah i know i there are so many like she's like this is someone who even though she's such a a bsa energy again could lead a, a movie could could be my main character yeah she makes so many choices that Obviously, as the co-writer, like she, she's a, she knows what kind of like, you know, what kind of lines she can really spin. But I think of moments like when they're all in the kitchen, they're about to go to the ice skating rink, and Jane, she has these like kind of like thin, like she's she's her eyes are like half closed, and she like looks around a little bit, kind of conspiratorially, and she goes who's ready to go ice skating? And then she starts to do these like spider fingers on Sloan and something. Like, yes. Stop. And it's spider just fingers. like that little example, like the line in the, uh, in the script is who's ready to go ice skating and everything she adds to it is like, no one could tell her to do that. Like she yeah. just like, all of that is like stuff that she invented. And I think that's exciting to watch is moments like that or moments of her like dancing at that big, you know, the, the party at the country club, uh, like dancing by herself in that outfit. (laughs) I mean, there's just these moments where again, it, it takes me back to Melissa McCarthy and bridesmaids where every time you cut back to that character, as absurd as she is, there's like a fully realized life happening every time we see her. Yeah. And I feel like that's so hard to achieve as an actor. I, I just, because there's so, 
much risk of it being annoying or too much. And mm-hmm. it's like her and Melissa McCarthy both are, it's just enough. And maybe it's because the rest of the movie is sort of, I, I'm not saying that the rest of the movie is dull by any means too. It's just like, we kind of are looking for that. Like, even though Bridesmaids is hilarious and like there's so many other women in that movie god that are just as good Uh, there is something Mm -hmm. about it i think it's just a character we haven't seen before i guess uh i what i also like is that jane as kooky as she is i think to your point is like we don't normally see that kooky character get real we there is a great moment in bridesmaids where um Melissa McCarthy's character Megan where she has this like heart to heart with Kristen Wiig's character mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. but she's like pinning her down on the couch you know like it's still kind of absurd but in this you know Jane uh, there's the fight at the Christmas Eve party and then that awful moment when Harper smashes the painting over Sloane's head oh it's a beautiful and, painting oh it's beautiful I hate it's that so Anna Gasteyer is like what's this I'm like it's yeah. a beautiful painting of the town that you live in <laughs> right right and and then Jane has that meltdown moment and she, and she says, I am something. Ugh. And it's such a great moment. I don't know if you remember, but there's a, that great scene in season two of the comeback with Valerie and Mark mm-hmm. fighting in the parking lot oh, after she do wears I the wire. That? Yes. I just want to make sure. And she says, I'm somebody, you know, I, I've got a birth certificate that says I'm somebody like that note. Like you can compare those two moments because, oh yeah. Lisa Kudrow, like, there's so much, you know, pathos in that moment of, like, and how much that means to Valerie to be somebody. And I love that, like, uh, Mary Holland does something similar with Jane where, like, there's tears in her eyes. And she's like, I am something. And it and it's a genuine delivery and not a joke. And, yes. And, but then she pairs it. Like, she goes on with that monologue where she says, you know, because I'm not fancy. And she does those hands. Those yes. like, little, like, low jazz oh, hands. And she's wearing, like, the craziest skirt. It's, like, this green yeah. sequence. Yeah. Oh, I just love her. It's a lovely moment. And, and obviously that your that opening line of yours from the episode of, like, I don't have any secrets, but I am an ally. Oh, I mean, a great the, tension breaker. Oh, my, like, I just, my, my, I couldn't, the first time I saw that, I was like, that is... The perfect line. That is yeah. the perfect line. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's great. It's so good. It really is. I, I, I think one of the things that also made me laugh really hard was the next day when Victor Garber comes out and he's like, I've sunk all of our savings into this campaign. <laughs> and oh, Jane yeah. is like, she said, um, she's like, it's okay. When I sell my book, I'll take care of all of us. And then she yeah. kind of looks around and no one, but I love that sort of unbridled confidence. And it is a success. Like she knows she's smart. Oh yeah. I oh, love God, that I love things that. work out for her. I also, <laughs> I, I, you know, because obviously John then becomes her literary agent, but I also love that at the party when he sees her painting, he goes, I love that. Yes. Like, yes. It's he knows. Like, he knows. Like I just there's something there's something to me about how the the gay guy in the room can like see the fabulousness in these women. You know? Yes. Like it's it, not to kind of make, you know, gay men just an accessory, but I think I don't know, maybe as a as a gay man who uh likes men but loves women, I love to see that performed in movies as well. Like, yeah, ugh, aren't women just the best? You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. Likes men mm-hmm. but loves women. That's like yeah. uh, some some sort of tote bag in the future here. Right, right. I like men but I love women. It's like, so that's, true. Think, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, then obviously yeah, Jane 
is a huge success and and even that i love that reading and i was just like there's a great mary steenburgen acting choice after she after jane finishes and everyone applauds and she kind of has this like wow kind of moment and it's it's just a lovely like oh mary nice like all i needed was to see that to know that okay good like ted and tipper are like validating jane yeah your daughter's like a great writer and smart and worthy of your love (laughs) yeah and jane like harper and abby give her this thumbs up and jane has this big dumb smile on her face at the podium she gives this little thumbs up it's (laughs) adorable and then they're signing books and john's sitting with her and i love that moment where the two people bring up two books at the same time and john's like well you know two at once it's an onslaught and it's it's this it's the sweetest little moment it's so good i um yes i would watch a spinoff of jane and john i'd watch a spinoff of riley yeah Uh, it does look like in the closing credits, that kind of feed of Tipper's Instagram, there is a picture of them at a parade or, or something, and yes. Riley is there with a girlfriend. And I liked the button oh, on that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, good. Okay. She found herself yes. a little yes. bespectacled lesbian girlfriend. I forgot yeah. about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I just, you know, as I said at the beginning, like, I came in wanting to kind of tear, you know, the inconsistencies apart of this movie, and it just, it won me over not just as like a sweet Christmas movie, but I was like, no, I, you've earned all of the plot points. I yeah. mean, there are those those moments of Harper that are like, oh, but there's a lot to celebrate in this movie. Yeah, there really yeah. is. Yeah, just the it's, movie as a whole, and then everything, all the performances and the women and and sorry, go ahead. I, I, no, I that's yeah, that's I I agree. No, I agree. It's I I think this is. Um, beyond being like, oh, you know, the gays have a Christmas movie. It's like, no, this is just like a great, this is a great movie. Like, this is, uh, this is a solid story. I, watching it a second time, I was like, oh, I could rewatch this pretty frequently. Oh, sure. It's like a weekend movie. This in bed, just having it on as you clean. I know we're wrapping up here, Colin, but I don't know if we talked, like, we, we touched upon it, but did you, did you want to go in a little bit more on the Dan Levy speech to Abby (gasps) at the end? I don't think we really properly gave it I yeah, we did and we didn't. I just but I just think that that was so beautifully written, and yeah, the I think one of the the best parts of obviously seeing a queer story on screen is like just seeing your story um, being told. And I know this is a story about two lesbians too, but also that is a universal idea. The idea of like when he says that moment right before you say those words, your heart is racing and you don't know what's coming next. But once yeah. you say them, you can't unsay them, and the chapter's ended and a new one has begun. I was just like, yes, yes, yes. My heart started yeah. pounding even just hearing him saying that. Yeah. Oh, no, that moment, that moment was, because Dan Levy's great in this, but that scene, I was like, this is. That's this why is, he took the part, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and who would And this was like, I thought any gay actor, you know, or any actor really, but certainly any gay actor would like leap for joy to get this role like it's such a great moment it's i i think that scene is is so perfect and i also think well you know happiest season is more than just like a gay christmas movie because it's a gay christmas movie Mm -hmm. you get this moment because you don't need to have this conversation between straight people and i think that was really smart and this is where i mean the 
there were moments where Dan Levy would kind of like look away or kind of take a pause, like clearly holding himself together while saying all this and being very deliberate about the choices that he's making of, of how he's telling the story. I, I just love it the whole time. John is, he could break at any point talking about this and he doesn't. Uh, yeah. It's, and oh, my favorite part of all of this um, is he gives that whole speech and then Abby, um, you know, says that she doesn't want to be with someone who's not ready for her, you know, ready to be with her. And then he hugs her and that beautiful hug. Um, and yeah, then I feel he, like and he it just great hugs. Oh, yeah. It's such a good, <laughs> like, tight hug. And then he looks at her and, like, perfect timing says, you look great in this coat and like, smiles at her. And that's the end of the scene. And yep. I thought, whoa. What a brilliant line to end on is like, you look great in this coat. And like, just kind of breaking the tension of like, hey, all being said, like, by the way, you're looking good. I just think that's a very cute, a cute note to end a very serious scene on. Yeah. And I think the the idea, another thing that was just beautiful in this, some people might call it a speech. They say Dan Levy's speech. It's very... Mm. Uh, I feel like it's an inside baseball thing, but you know, his little monologue here is that he points out in such a subtle, it's like a subtle reminder to Abby. Like she said, cause he asks her, what did your parents say? And they were like that. And mm-hmm. cause it was a perfect, it's like the sort of pitch perfect conversation that like you hope to see and you wish that everyone has this experience of like the parents just saying, cool. Um, when you bring yeah. them over th- for Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, but it's like your situation is not going to be everyone else's situation. And that's okay. Yeah, It's going to yeah. take some time. And everyone's story is different. Instead of him saying, like, you need to cool it because... But, like, at the same time, a lot of what Harper did was, like, <laughs> you know, not great. Um, but I, I do mm-hmm. love that choice to just remind her and just... He's... I don't know. It's He's just a really good friend. I want him around. I want him to be my friend. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's a really good friend. And I feel like, you know, even though he kills the fish and, you know, is a little irresponsible, like it, it, the things that matter, you know, I think the fact that he just shows up at the house, you know, I think it's it's a great note that Abby reveals to him on the phone, you know, all the things that are happening. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to give that a think. And then like, and doesn't have like the perfect answer right then and there. And then the next time we see him is showing up at the house. And he and I don't know if it's I guess it's that point where she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, what did he say? Like, when are you going to get this? I have been tracking you. Like, it's just like that. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love that that like <laughs> gag that like that yeah. sort of bit that goes and because that's how Harper finds Abby at the end too. It's really great. It's great. Um, and even, so I yeah. Oh sorry. No go ahead. No go ahead. I go was ahead. just one last thing too is like for anyone who like needs to hear it too because like there was a time like when Keon and I first started dating too that his grandparents were still alive and there was the first time I ever went to visit the family like I had a, a, a situation very similar to this and we had talked it out. And it was like a conversation that like we had and like I I knew what had to happen. I wasn't upset about it, but there is Mm -hmm. a lot of like being on your feet and like juggling awkward questions that you kind of like his parents obviously knew what was going on. His grandparents were the only one that ones that weren't in the loop. Um, Mm -hmm. But and it all worked out, too. But like there is something and I, I was never upset with him for not being out to his grandparents because I also know what that's like. Like my grandparents were like the last on my list. I feel, um, because it's just, it's your grandparents. But like the, the line, like Harper not coming out to her parents has nothing to do with you. What is just so 
impactful for people who are might be going through that situation and might be like really upset with their partner about like how it's not about the the opposite person it's about the person processing it all and having to tell their parents like let them have that let them process that on their own and let them go through that journey and it's but it also is it gets increasingly frustrating like the older that you get or the more involved you are in that relationship too there's so mm-hmm. many layers to like how frustrating it can be but also like it's not you don't have to it's not that you don't have to worry about this but um yeah it's not it has it's nothing to do with abby and that was also this, a reminder yeah. it's like these you know like kian with his grandparents or harper with her parents like this is a dynamic they've been navigating before you were even in the picture and yeah you so, have like, to respect it almost yeah. yeah yeah that like this has nothing to do with like how much i care about you or love you whatever it's like i like i this this mountain has been here you know, before you showed up and I like, we're going to have to climb it together if you want to go on this journey with me. And yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's certainly hard. Uh, I, I absolutely empathize. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I think, you know, I said before, like I wouldn't want to be with someone who's not out. And I yeah. think there's, there's levels of that, you know, because it's like, yeah, I get that. Sometimes you have a family member where you're like, you don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, the conflicts that we see here and, and certainly in that, in that monologue that Harper has of like, I, I know, like, I don't want, if I tell them, I'm afraid I'm going to lose them, but I know. And she even, I almost didn't like it, but I actually ended up loving it. She like hits her head with her palms. Just, and I know that if I don't tell them, I'm going to lose you. And I yeah. like seeing Harper in that moment of conflict. It's like, this is like, she didn't ask for this. And this is huge to have someone say, I'm trying to balance having a relationship with my family and with my partner. Like this is not an enviable position. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of nuance there that they like that we do see explored. And I think Harper, I have, I forgave her a lot more the second go around. Me too. And I think I just kind of had this little mini revelation here too. It's like, I think that Harper knew the whole time what she was doing to Abby. I think she was perfectly aware of it and she knew how much she was hurting her, but also she knew that like she's in a, at her parents' house. Like she can't really take care of both of them at once, I think, mm-hmm. maybe is that dynamic, which I, I, I don't know how you, how do you like show that, I guess? Because maybe that's where the frust- like the frustration of that, like Abby coming up to see Harper in the bed the next morning is like the the culmination it's like the conversation really isn't about her smothering her or suffocating like it's just the fact that harper is suffocating because of the situation not because yeah so and it makes so much more sense and and it makes you forgive like you said it's like you kind of have to forgive harper a little bit because there is a likability that kind of goes down with each of these moments of ignoring abby but like i do get that because there Mm -hmm. was even like when keon and i were at his house you know, like there were times where like I felt left out a little bit or like we were like eating dinner or something and I didn't really know who to talk to. There's just those there's always going to be those awkward moments, even for like yep. straight people or even if everyone is accepting where you're just like, who do I talk to now? And mm-hmm. I was relying on him to kind of steer the ship, but also he had to like make sure that his family was taken care of. So you have to take a back seat. So they're yeah. not and I'm not taking Harper's side, forever, but there it's it helps me to understand that behavior a little bit more because it seems far-fetched but it it does make sense 
Absolutely. I agree completely. Like you, I, I, you've been in those situations where, yeah, like you're, you don't know anybody there and your, you know, boyfriend, partner, whatever, it's their family or their friends. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to need you to drive this ship. Uh, and it, sometimes the other hands are full and it's, yeah. and it's a weird moment of like, I think because it's so vulnerable and because it's so uncomfortable that like, you almost want to get mad at that person, but it's like, it's not, they didn't do this to you. It's just the situation and they wouldn't want it to be this way either. It's just a, a shitty situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I think this movie manages to, to pull that off without just, you know, I think the simpler narrative is Harper just shows herself to be a totally inconsiderate girlfriend. And then Riley swoops in and is like the saving grace. And I think, that may have made a lot of people feel good, but I don't think it would have been as like unique of a story. Yeah, I agree. I am glad we talked this out. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I really, because going through it the second time around, like I did feel better about it, and I think like, yeah, there's so many layers here. It's a it's a yeah. really great movie, it and really I didn't is. say that after the first time I watched it. I was I I had, you know, feelings. I guess so everyone can you know sort of have their opinions about you know, because I'm like well. <laughs> I'm not writing a movie like how, why well, I shouldn't be able to critique something because right. you know like what what am I doing <laughs> like right like who am I to say like well really why didn't you guys have this conversation in the apartment first it's like well why don't you write your own movie sweetheart and then yeah, you can exactly. have a conversation wherever yes, they want yes yeah. and I'm trying to keep that in mind <laughs> I know I know but it's yeah it's the nature of the beast it's yeah. just you know um I, I think it's it's less of like oh how this movie could be better and like oh how it could be different and I think yeah, that's just because we're natural. rooting for it yeah oh a hundred and ten percent I want more movies like this more narratives like this like movie like when you think about it this is a movie full of women and gay people yes and like and BSA Christmas. moments yes. and Christmas and good music and drag queens like it's it's everything so we much- want. Yeah, there's so much to love about this movie. Yeah. Is there a sassy grandma? No, but okay, yeah. something to reach for. We get Dan you know? Levy instead. We get Dan <laughs> Levy, and it's essentially apples and oranges that taste the same. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This was a good. Uh, this was a this was a fun a fun movie to to explore and go deeper into. I know. I want to like write a book report on it. <laughs> right? Oh, I know. Only if <laughs> I can like. Vulture. If I can draw a cover of the book report, that was always like, I'm not good at drawing, but I love the idea of like, oh, that drawing, would be fun. Right? Um, that would be cool. Well, I guess nothing's stopping me from doing yeah, that. Do you know? uh, yeah. We do have one more segment of this episode. Uh, if we're good to wrap things up on Happiest Season. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Uh, yeah. And, and talk about our BSAs of the week, mm. uh, which of course is an actor or a performance or a food or a song or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives this week. Yes. Um, so what have you got in terms of nominees and winners and whatnot? Um, some nominees. I, I mean, I want to say that because um, Keon had never seen it. Um, we watched over the weekend. We watched The Family Stone, Colin. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. oh, how fun to have not seen it before. Oh, what a gift. I know. And it's been a while for me, too, as well. And and. I, I know you mentioned this before. I think it was on this podcast, but or maybe it might have been. Did you guys cover it for All Right, Mary? I feel like you we did. did do it for All Right, Mary. Much, I think maybe last year. Yeah, yeah, and I know that your relationship with Diane Keaton sort of um, is a roller coaster of emotions. Yes, <laughs> or turtlenecks. Yes. Uh, yes. but uh, but she really is fantastic in that movie. Like I was yeah. just, I'm I'm blown away by her, and I love that house. Like that is the sort of christmas movie like home for the holidays and family stone like a messy house 
you know, cobbling chairs together to make the table, you know, putting up the mm-hmm. card table at the end of it and stuff like that too. But I love that house. Um, and I love that movie. I really do. I, I think there's so much to celebrate in that movie. And that I think specifically because, and I think I said this uh, maybe on this podcast, is like when I came out, my mom watched that movie by herself randomly one night when my mom doesn't like watch movies. She just like huh. suddenly stumbled upon it. I don't know. But it really did help her like the kitchen or the kitchen scene, the uh, the dining room scene with the fork. I need a fork. Yes. Diane Keaton. Yeah. Like, it was fresh. Like, I feel it was like the week that I came out that she saw that movie. And so it really, and she came down and we had this sort of like, ugh, sort of cryptic conversation. She's like, I think you should watch it because it really hits home. And she like got choked up when she said it, it was, oh. it was definitely a BSA moment for Deb. Yeah. Um, Deb. Deb, Deb Pichetto, best supporting actress. Best supporting know, mom. So, best supporting mom. Yes. You know. So it really is like, I think for that reason, it always sort of has that sort of uh, special place for me but um but i i just love it and it was fun uh a lot of funny moments and uh, i just love that movie so family stone great yeah um, i was just gonna mention on that is you know there's there's some interesting parallels to family stone and happiest season of like abby and sarah jessica parker's character being yes similar narratives and actually i think there's even in family stone it's like she shows up with her, you know, fiance to the, to Christmas, but then ends up with somebody else. Like, yeah, she finds a Riley. So, I mean, I, you know, we I think we've talked about doing the BSAs of Family Stone. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not adverse. Okay, uh, I, I think it's one of Diane Keaton's better performances. It Absolutely. honestly is. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. so many moments, so many moments. Um, yeah. So that was really special. I I loved watching that. Um, I also watched. Just like as far as like BSA watch on this Oscar season, I watched half of Mank. I texted okay. Colin about it and uh, and Amanda too. And it is a slog. I didn't really love the movie. I I I, I want to finish it if not for Amanda Seyfried because she's leading like the predictions, Colin, like on Gold Derby, wow. on like all this other stuff. Like by a hair, she's beating Olivia Coleman for the father. So I'm really Whoa. I'm really yeah. interested to see what happens in the second half of the movie. It's a long one. Mm-hmm. Um Gary Oldman is great. Like I, I know what that movie is. I was a little bit confused by the plot. Like I was on my phone a lot during it. It's one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Amanda Seyfried is pretty dynamic and charming and magnetic. Like I, I get it. Um, so far, there wow. hasn't really been a big BSA moment. There's, there's a really great scene of her kind of like her and Gary Oldman walking around this like Hollywood mansion, and she's kind of drunk, holding a champagne bottle and smoking a cigarette. You know, and oh. she is. It's a totally different Amanda Seyfried energy. Her voice is like drop. She has like this like Brooklyn accent. I I'm digging her so far. So I okay. I'm like Amanda Oscar went BSA Amanda Seyfried. Uh, that sounds crazy to me. But yeah, yeah. I'm happy for her. It's cool. It's totally cool. So um, more on that. I'll probably finish it sometime over the weekend. I'm not. I'm just putting it off. And sorry, Glenn. I know. Glenn. Yeah. Is is Glenn even making the the lists? At yes. This point? Oh, what a great question, Colin. So, like, after we did our episode last week, is when I started reading, you know, what the rest of the world thought about Hillbilly yeah. Elegy. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not great. Um, Oof. I think Amy Adams is probably officially out of the like the the leading act the leading actress category is crazy. Packed. Yeah. It's. Uh, well, y- 
yeah, there's Viola on, yeah. Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is probably like from what I see, like is the lead, like yeah. in in the polls, we'll say, and then followed very closely by Frances McDormand in Nomadland, and then uh-huh. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, which looks great. Oh, that trailer! I was like, oh, between gosh. her and Ellen Burstyn, I was like, we're getting yeah. a lot of lady acting. Yeah, this is a great year, which is so ironic to say because it's been such a weird year because of the mm-hmm. pandemic and everything too. But um, uh, I'm not sure if she's going to be nominated. I think Glenn is still hanging in there. I feel mm-hmm. like she's like maybe fourth or fifth place and most like, and granted, like I'm not looking everywhere. Anything can happen. Totally. Um, totally. I think nominations for Golden Globes come out the first week of January. Everything's pushed back this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh God, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have to check out Mank. I mean, I like Amanda Seyfried and I'd love to see her, you know, in a BSA level performance, certainly. And, uh, and also just as a reminder, the movie, I think it's a movie, right? That um, Meryl Streep, Diane Weiss, Candace Bergen, Let Them All Talk. Yeah. Is coming out tomorrow, Colin. So No, I didn't know it was so yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh. So the day that oh. this drops, I will say, because um, we're recording on Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. It's oh. it's gonna be out on HBO. I put my hand against the wall. I'm so like overwhelmed. <laughs> I think it's HBO, right? HBO yes, Max? Yes, HBO Max, yeah. Oh and it is a well, movie. Question mark. It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. Great. Uh and and potentially in a future episode. Oh yeah. To, Look out to talk about Stone. Candy Bergen and Diane Weist at the same time. I know, it's too much. Yeah. And I love that the the guy in that Lucas Hedges who's in um Oh he's great. Ladybird. He, I love yes. him. I think he's so good. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um so those are my sort of nominees and what I've been up to this week as far as just like, you know, awards season uh watch. Uh, but my BSA of the week is there's like a subset and or I'll just say what it is as opposed to just explaining it. Is season four of The Crown, specifically Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher. And I know that there are a lot of, and my love for Gillian Anderson as Margaret, I think it's like, it is camp. It is like high Mm -hmm. camp and high prestige acting at the same time. I've never seen anything like it because the voice that she puts on, if you haven't seen Chloe Fineman do it on Instagram, you have to because it is spot on. It's very easy to mimic. You just have to say, y'all majesty and it's just like this sort of low grumbly sort of thing but like she is also at the same time like she just always feels like she's exhausted i don't know how else to describe like the choices mm-hmm. that jillian anderson is making but at the same time it's so good and so nuanced and like the last episode because obviously they sort of just like unceremoniously like vote her out <laughs> um right all the men just like gang up on her and it's but there is like a scene with her and Olivia Coleman right after it happens, Colin. Like, oh, I know no. period pieces aren't your thing, too. And I know you've no. dabbled in The Crown. I know you've dabbled. Yeah. Um, I would, it's a high recommend for season four. I know it's probably not going to happen, but that's okay. And you might be able to find some Gillian Anderson. There's some great Olivia Coleman scenes, though. There really is. I am okay. just. A lot I of great mean, women, I, um, but Gillian yeah. Anderson, I hope she gets like every award for it. It is high camp and it's ridiculous, but it's also fantastic and committed and um, uh, I don't know. It's 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 everything. <laughs> it's really everything. 
Uh, well, so there's I that. will I will check it out. I, I watched some of season three of The Crown and I kind of fell out of it. But if you're telling me, I mean, Gillian Anderson is fabulous. And yes. I uh, and if there's some great moments with Olivia Coleman, I mean, uh, that when you oh, if there if there's a scene between the two of them, oh, many will go see that scene. And there is a lot of restraint, obviously, but like the two of them sitting together with their knees pointing in the opposite direction, just like going to battle, but not saying too much at all. It's so fun to watch. There are a lot of those scenes. But there's one scene right. in the last episode that's really great, too. So there's that. Um, so, yeah, Gillian Anderson, The Crown. Ugh, I right. love it so much. <laughs> the um, Crown. Crown. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I, I felt like I was talking for 15 minutes. Go for no, it. No, you weren't. You were fine. That sounds great. Uh, I My BSA is the week. So I think my nominees uh, would be one would have to be that SNL uh, sketch yes, mess. Thank mess you episode. for bringing that up. Yes, the Christmas conversation. It is so funny, so true. There's so many like little nuances in it that I just I. It's just so for anyone who hasn't seen yeah. SNL did a mm-hmm. one like a video short recently of like three different people having to call their parents to say yeah, I don't think I'm going to be coming home for Christmas this year and. Um, <laughs> The sketch is full of women. It's like almost, it, there's only uh, Jason Bateman who is guesting, Kenan Thompson. I think that's it in terms of men in it. Um, so it's like heavy on the heavy on the lady, act, lady SNL performers. Between three dynamic, three families, they've covered so many dynamics. I mean, Kate McKinnon, when they have like friends over and hearing her say off screen, like, come on in, masks off, we're cool. I was like, well, <laughs> we're cool. That's, I identify with that. Oh, yeah. I love her. I love her. Yeah, that's a high nominee. Um, I would also say another high nominee. I, I have sung the praises of this nominee in BSA many times over, and I don't care. I will continue to sing these praises. But I recently purchased a, a year subscription to uh, Total Request Pod, featuring <gasps> friends of the podcast, yes. Jody and Amanda. And it's like I've been needing a new podcast and I, I thought I had the feed for it and then I didn't. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a year subscription, you know, uh, I'm going to support this podcast. Yes. And the, the the wealth of content that that's opened up for me, it is the two of them are so funny I and know, so good I together. Know. And like, thank God they found each other. Yeah, like, I was just thinking, what is the origin story there? Amanda, text me because I, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, like I remember the first time I heard them do an episode together, and I remember Jody talking about how she could, she like thinking that somebody looked like they had a certain like blood cell disorder or something, and I was like, oh my god, Jody, where have you been all Amanda's <laughs> exactly. life? This is, you are so the perfect co-host. Yeah, it was. They're so funny together, and like it's the kind of podcast where, you know. I don't need to have seen, like, I just listened to their episode on on the Festivus episode of Seinfeld. I've never seen that episode. I just, I didn't care. I was happy to yes. just hear them talk. And uh, Total Request Pod is such, like, a, a variety of things. They cover this infamous episode of The Real World Miami that I think about all the time. <laughs> uh, they talk about the, you know, the pilot episode of the comeback they talk about the dance episode of pen 15 yes it's i was just like this is so a treasure trove it it really is it's um so i've been binging that lately and it's just they've been it's been great um love that my winner of course this should come as no surprise i don't know to me i guess is the movie lazy susan yes how did you find this colin where so 
I saw a trailer for this, I don't know, a number of months ago, and it had Sean Hayes very, you know, intentionally unconvincingly playing this woman named Susan who is just, you know, a, a on the brink of 40 loser um, who's mooching off her mother and can't keep a job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, this, you know, drives this, this beat up old car. And I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, that looks weird. But like, you know, if it finds me, I'll watch it. And then it came onto Amazon Prime or maybe I'd been on there and I had it on my, I've had it on my queue or my list for a little while. And then the other night I was like, let's watch Lazy Susan. Let's see what this is. And I, I have not laughed that hard at a movie in such a long time. I granted I was kind of high, but like I'm kind of <laughs> high for a lot of movies. And it, hi, hi, you're all high. Hi, hi, you're all high. You know, like <laughs> I, that is, that is, that is no news, but I like was beside myself most of this movie. I think Sean Hayes is genius. Allison Janney is phenomenal. Oh, Margot Martindale plays the mother, and she's phenomenal. It is so fucking funny and so weird. And like, I'm not sure if I'm like alone on this because I saw a lot of like negative reviews for it, but sure. a lot of like user reviews, people liked it, but like critics didn't really get it. It's. It it is so talk about movies like everything we want. It has a mother character. It has a it has a crazy you know kooky best friend who's also a married mother of three kids. It has Alice and Janney working at a Kmart. It has a man in drag. Like it has a fun soundtrack. It's um oh my god. It's it's just so good. I've rewatched it. I think I've I've probably sat down to watch at least parts of it again, like three more times. Oh my so. gosh! I can't wait. I'm watching it tonight, and the reason why I didn't watch it before we recorded is because I was I was like I wasn't begging, but I kept annoying Key on this weekend because um, you had been watching it. You were texting with Amanda and I, and I was like, Colin says it's really good. We should watch it, but we just like ran out of time, and mm. so we we're gonna watch it tonight. We're gonna have our friend Jamie over. Um, oh, and uh, and her boyfriend Vic and we're just gonna like eat. We're gonna eat. Uh, are you ready for this? There's a great yes. sandwich shop on Butler Street in Lawrenceville, right where Happiest Season was filmed. We're pretty close to it, actually. Um, it's called Me Empanada, but they make a great. Um, what is it called? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I was looking great... out the window. Oh, wait, I was looking out the window and I saw this bird, and I just got. <laughs> they make a great. Oh, what is it they make that's good? What are we having great, tonight? Um, <laughs> Eggplant parm, sorry, but it's an eggplant parm sandwich, and it is next level good. That sandwich has been a BSA of the week in the past. It has. It's right. You, yeah, you've talked about this because I was Ugh. like eggplant parm. You're like, no, 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 it's still really crispy. Like it is. I don't know how they do it. The bread, chewy but crisp. It is. Uh, it, it's a moment, and it's so great. Um, wow. So we're having those, and we're watching Lazy Susan, and I can't wait to just like laugh. It's a nice midweek break. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that'll be really fun. I can't wait to watch God. it. I hope you guys love it. I know I've been playing it up. I, like, Well, the trailer the is great. Like, And I know sometimes trailers mm -hmm. can be great, but um, yeah. And it like the trailer is really funny, and, and yet there's this like kooky energy to there it. There is a dark comedy yeah. sort of thing. And the way it kind of manifests in the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, you couldn't capture all of this in the trailer, like yeah. the weird vibe of this movie. And it's like, it's co-written. So knowing going into it, it's co-written by Sean Hayes, um, the woman Corinne that he like, that, that Susan plays music with, who's like her best friend. Yes. And then the woman who plays Susan's sister-in-law. So keep that in mind. The three of them wrote this script. So the movie is, I don't know if the director is gay, but the movie is written by a gay man and two women. Ugh. 
sign me up. Is the sister-in-law, yeah. she's the one from Parks and Rec, right? Yes! The one who's yes! always, like the conservative lady with the gay yes! husband who always wears Darlene pearls. Darlene Hunt, yes. who plays, yeah, the, the exactly. Yes, it's played by her, and she's... I love her. So funny. She, the all, oh my God. Text me immediately. I can't Unless wait. Unless you hate it. Yeah. I'm like, is it five yeah. o'clock yet? Let's just clock out now, yeah. Right, right. Oh, I'm so happy. And if... Whether it be in the details or best supporting podcast, Lazy Susan will get its moment. Uh, Great. Uh, well, speaking of getting your moment, we've had our moment. Uh, we're done, and the music is going to tell us why we're done because we're being played. <laughs> uh, That's a good Trinity Taylor yeah, thank you. there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if we don't make these references, we lose these references. That's right. Um, so as we are being played off, where can folks find more of you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Nick Kochanov. How about you, Colin? Right. Uh, well, of course, you can find uh, more of me blabbing on on All Right, Mary. Um, season 13 is apparently supposed to be premiering on New Year's Day. So I guess maybe we'll do that. I think we need to talk about that. Yeah, the, uh, leaked, the leaked trailer. Yeah, the or leaked whatever, trailer. Right? Yeah, yeah, the leaked little thing. Yeah. Uh, in the details, the celebration of nuance. I uh, this month I intend to end 2020 um, on a high note by revisiting the last two chapters of Cherishing Valerie. Yay! So, yes, Ooh, it, I think yes. that is going to be the right way to end this year. Um, of course, you can find me on uh, and, and for anyone who doesn't know what Cherishing Valerie is, it's my sort of deep dive on the comeback. Um, yes, yes, yes. And, uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find more of both of us at a best in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod on Twitter. And you can also send us any of your thoughts on uh, Happiest Season or anything else that we talked about today to thebsapod at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, well, uh, we I don't know what we're doing next week because, you know, we've we've now got a couple of we've got some options here. Yeah, we've got some options, but uh, it will be a movie with women in it uh, <laughs> in supporting roles. That so much is true. bet your bottom dollar on that one. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, we want to say a big thank you to everybody in Happiest Season uh, from Dan Levy to to Allison Bree to Aubrey Plaza, yeah, Mary Holland, Clea Duvall, even Kristen Stewart. We didn't talk about Kristen Stewart a lot. She's kind of one of those actresses where I was like, "Are you a really good actress? Or are you terrible?" It kind of right. I I can never quite figure it out. But I really liked her in this movie. Thank you to Kristen Stewart. Thank you, Pittsburgh. Come visit Thank Pittsburgh, you. everyone. I know Pittsburgh. you can't right now, but uh, I'll show you a good time. <laughs> Yeah, and you can stop by uh, the, the Miss Ross Park Mall and get some eggplant parm. Did I say eggplant before, or did I say something else? You said eggplant. Parm. Okay, good. I would, I would question if it was otherwise. Yeah, like um, zucchini parm. No. Oh no. Practically the same thing, but vastly different. And that, as they say, <laughs> is that. <laughs>